Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Brethren should not go to law with each other. The unrighteous shall not be saved. True saints are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That was the heading. Verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Judges and courts are and always have been part of the kingdom of God on earth. Whenever that kingdom has been set up in its fullness, glory, and power, the church court system has been empowered to handle both civil and ecclesiastical matters. All such cases rested in the hands of the Lord's judges from the day of Adam to the time Saul was chosen to rule in Israel. Since then, the perfect law has been modified to fit into world conditions. In Paul's day, there were both church courts and civil courts, as there are today. If the saints go to law with each other, they, are, they may choose to do so under either state or church jurisdiction. Paul is here counseling them to handle their own affairs in their own courts, and his counsel is good and might well be followed by church members today. Manifestly, where grievances involve non-members of the church, redress must be sought before civil tribunals. That was by Bruce McConkie. Verse 2, do not ye, do ye not that, or sorry, verse 2, do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Being the kingdom of God on earth and having a perfect organization, provision is made in the church for the trial of transgressors against church standards and for the settlement of disputes between church members and groups. It is the practice of the church for home teachers or other special assigned brethren to investigate alleged transgression and then, if necessary, bring charges against accused persons either before a bishop's court or a state presidency and high council. These are now called disciplinary councils. That was by Bruce O. McConkie. Brigham Young said, I think that it can be shown that the great majority of difficulties between brethren arises from misunderstandings rather than from malice and a wicked heart. And instead of talking the matter over with each other in a saint-like spirit, they will contend with each other until a real fault is created and they have brought a sin upon themselves. When we have done good 99 times and then do an evil, how common it is, my brethren and sisters, to look at that one evil all the day long and never think of the good. Before we judge each other, we should look at the design of the heart, and if it is evil, then chasten that individual and take a course to bring him back again to, the, to righteousness. Verse 4, If then we have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge, who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame, is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth... But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong, and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Elder Richard G. Scott said, Any sexual intimacy outside the bonds of marriage, 
I mean any intentional contact with the sacred private parts of another's body, with or without clothing, is a sin and is forbidden by God. It is also a transgression to intentionally stimulate these emotions within your own body. Verse 10, Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed or baptized, but ye are sanctified." Pure and spotless, but ye are justified. God, by his Spirit, seals, ratifies, and approves your post-baptismal conduct because it now conforms to his standards. And that was by Bruce Armaconkey again. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, the atonement of Jesus Christ is what cleanses, sanctifies, and justifies us. All things are not lawful unto me, and all things are not expedient. All things are not lawful for me, therefore I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man committeth is against the body of Christ. And he who committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In other words, the body belongs to Heavenly Father. For ye are, brought, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Elder Holland said, May I quote a 1913 sermon by Elder James E. Talmadge on this doctrinal point? We have been taught to look upon these bodies of ours as gifts from God. We Latter-day Saints do not regard the body as something to be condemned, something to be abhorred. We regard the body as a sign of our royal birthright. We recognize the fact that those who kept not their first estate were denied that inestimable blessing. We believe that these bodies may be made, in very truth, the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is peculiar to the theology of the Latter-day Saints that we regard the body as an essential part of the soul. Read your dictionaries, the lexicons, and encyclopedias, and you will find that nowhere outside of the Church of Jesus Christ is the solemn and eternal truth taught that the soul of man is the body and the spirit combined. So one with so one who toys with the God-given and satanically coveted body of another toys with the very soul of that individual, toys with the central purpose and product of life, the very key to life as Elder Boyd K. Packer once called it, in trivializing the soul of another, please include the word body there, we trivialize the atonement which saved that soul and guaranteed its continued existence. And when one toys with the son of, re- of righteousness, the day star himself, one toys with white heat and a flame hotter than ho- and, and holier than the noonday sun. <clears throat> you cannot do so and not be burned You cannot with impunity crucify the Son of God afresh. Exploitation of the body, please include the word soul there, is in the last analysis an exploitation of him who is the light and the life of the world. Perhaps here Paul's warning to the Corinthians takes on newer, higher meaning. Now the body is not for fornication but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Our soul is what is at stake here. Our spirit and our body, Paul understood that doctrine of the, of the soul every bit as well as James E. Talmadge did, because it is gospel truth. The purchase price for our fullness of joy, body and spirit eternally united, is the pure and innocent blood of the Savior of the world. We cannot then say in ignorance or defiance, well, it's my life, or worse yet, it's my body. It is not. 
Ye are not your own, Paul said. Ye are bought with a price. So in answer to the question, why does God care so much about sexual transgression? It is partly because of the precious gift offered by and through his only begotten Son to redeem the souls, bodies, and spirits we too often share and abuse in such cheap and tawdry ways. Christ restored the very seeds of eternal lives, and we desecrate them at our peril. The first key reason for personal purity, our very souls are involved and at stake. And that's the end of the chapter for today, and we'll see you next time. Bye.